Welcome to the Subconscious Coaching Podcast, a podcast where I talk about whatever I want because it's my podcast and not yours. Oh, hello, my magic beans. How are y'all doing today? It is raining here in Asheville. I have a cold, as you can probably hear. And uh, Kanye is banned from Instagram. <laughs> so things are shaking and moving. Um, but as I was thinking about starting this episode today, I just wanted to start by saying thank you. It has been such a wild ride starting this podcast, and maybe everybody feels this way, <laughs> but I feel like I have the funniest, most loving, and just actually cool network of people who interact with my work on social media. And lately, you guys have just been sending me such sweet messages on Instagram, thanking me for the time that I've been putting into my free content, telling me how excited you are to apply to the 16 Keys. And I just feel really lucky and blessed. I worked in luxury retail for a long time on Fifth Avenue. And so I used to get people that I was working with from all over the world. I had a lot of high-end clients from Japan and Dubai and Australia and Argentina. And um, I also had, I guess I'll call them like difficult clients. And the thing that I learned very quickly from being in that environment is that being entitled or difficult or bratty really has nothing to do with your culture. It has very little to do with your socioeconomic status or your race or your gender or any of that stuff. And the thing that I left knowing was that the way that you make people around you feel is literally the product of your relationship with yourself. It was always the people who were so miserable with themselves that would come in and just wreak emotional havoc on me and my employees. So... I just wanted to reflect back to you how wonderful it is to be surrounded by people who are working on themselves in meaningful ways and just putting a lot of encouragement and support and love and gratitude out there into the world. I think some of the best advice I ever got as an entrepreneur is to just enjoy what there is to enjoy wherever you're at in your business because in a year it'll be gone. And so I just want to enjoy all y'all. Right, All my marketing's been organic, and they say that when you start running ads, like, you know when you run ads, you can't pinpoint or target, like, just nice people or people with the same values as you. So what I've been hearing from colleagues over and over again is that, like, running ads is like entering the land of the trolls. <laughs> and just, like, you have to expect disrespect. And, like, you just have to hire someone and make it their job to clean up all of the, like, the rude, ridiculous comments. And you just got to keep yourself from looking at the comment section of the ads, right? So I'm not running ads yet, which is why I just want to take time to enjoy where I'm at. And I want to encourage all of you to do the same. So if you've got two clients, enjoy the free time. If you've got 20 clients, enjoy the cash and the financial security, right? Just know you'll never be at this place again, and you'll look back on these times fondly the further you progress into your career as an entrepreneur. You'll look back at wherever you are right now, and you'll be like, oh man, those were the good old days. So do what you can to enjoy them, uh, and make sure that you really make the most out of it. Okay, 
with that little piece aside, today I want to go into a deep dive on how to create a program that delivers insane results. So I've been evaluating the last round of the 16 keys and going through the process that I always do uh, whenever I end a round or a program or a container that I'm running for someone. And I figured I'd take you all behind the scenes and show you just exactly how I have developed and continue to develop the 16 keys in order to get more results faster um, and take this work even deeper while creating a better client experience. And the reason why I want to share this with you is because I think people underestimate. Sometimes we're so in coach brain that we forget to be entrepreneurs and we forget to really look at our business from a customer satisfaction delivery entrepreneur standpoint, right? And sometimes we don't even think or realize that delivery is a key driver of our sales. And when you are able to know how to create a program or workshop your program to get to a place where it's delivering insane results, you start generating the kinds of results in your clientele that end up selling your program by word of mouth for you. And that begin to build a legion of loyal alumni that will joyfully sell your program for you as well, right? The kinds of results that can command higher fees and that can deepen your confidence in your work as a coach. So if any of that sounds like something you're interested in, I want you to pay attention as I share this simple technique that I implement to get my clients faster, even more insane results every single round of the 16 keys. So I don't even, I haven't fully created a, a concept name for this yet or a name for this concept, but like, I don't know, maybe call it like 25% to 25K or something. But uh, the idea is that if you work on improving 20 to 25% of your delivery method every round or every quarter, right? So workshopping that method, whatever method it is that you use to get your clients results, and you make improvements on 20% of that, that over time, those improvements will compound. And as those results, as the results your clients get compound, right, the program and the consistency and all of the work that you're doing will begin to build a far more consistent level of results for your clients, right? So your clients will be getting more results faster and it will build the integrity of your brand, which increases demand, which then allows you to charge premium prices because you have such a solid, tried, trusted, and true process. So Here's what that looks like in my world, right? Here's just how I have applied this and continue to apply this to the 16 keys. So every round, I take the feedback from participants as well as my own observations that I've been gathering throughout the entire uh, coaching container, right? I have a little document that I use where I just put things as I'm noticing them. And I go through all of that feedback and at the end of every round, I decide to workshop, upgrade, or change about 20 to 25% of the material that I'm delivering, right? So I'll implement 20 to 25% new material, right? I might switch the order that things happen in, or I might notice, oh, I need to put this concept in um, for people to get the most out of that concept. Or I might say, I'm going to teach this other thing in a completely new way because people just weren't catching on to it, right? 
So I implement that. And then at the end of the round, whatever works, whatever of that new 20 to 25%, whatever works stays. And then I look at the program as a whole and I look for the 25% of the program that I think could be better. So here's an example of this. There had been a lot of feedback in the previous rounds of the 16 keys that going through this process without the supportive community was not ideal, right? That having other people who are going through the process that could normalize it and that that would have added a deeper layer of support for the people going through the 16 keys. And I had thoughts about it when I was while I was getting this feedback, right? <clears throat> so my thoughts were like, well, what if they're in different places in the process and then they start comparing themselves to each other, right? Um, and I just had some thoughts that made me take pause, but not enough, not enough like deep conviction to totally rule it out. And since it was a recurring request of so many clients, I, and I didn't have a really clear conviction on why not, I decided to give it a go. I figured, you know, I could do it, evaluate it really clearly, see the results that they got and how it impacted the container. And then I would have a really solid case one way or another, if adding group into the delivery was beneficial for them. Right. And this is what I mean when I talk about action, creating clarity, we want to wait to make a decision until we know, but the truth is we don't know the outcome of that decision until after we've taken it and can evaluate it. So it's so important when you're feeling unclear to start taking action because that action is what ends up producing results that can be evaluated and generate the clarity and the certainty that you're seeking. Okay. It's a little rabbit trail, but it's an important one to get you out of overwhelm and paralysis in your business. I see so many people like searching for clarity and they just need to take action and try something out and then they'll know, right? We could spend a year debating whether to do something or not in our business, or we could try it out for six months and then have our answer. So just consider that action is what creates clarity. So here's the most important thing that I want you to remember as you are evaluating your program and your client experience, which is that you have never been through your own coaching program. So you actually don't know what it's like to go through your process. You've never been coached by you or led through your own process by you. So the feedback that you get from your participants is gold. It's a perspective that is unavailable to you that is so valuable because it, it is going to reflect a majority of what people experience when they come through your program, which is something that you can be responsible for, right? They know what it's like to go through your process better than you do in a way that's much more intimate. And as coaches, we may know what our clients need to do and the mindset shifts that they need to create to get the results that they want to get, but only they know the intimate experience of their day-to-day -day while they're going through this process. And so when you learn what that intimate experience is, it allows you to support them even more effectively, to keep them on track more consistently, and in the end, to get your clients better results. 
So right now, if you don't have any system in your business to get feedback from your clients, I highly recommend implementing one, right? You must have a way to listen to your clients and get their feedback on their experience about the coaching container, right? And not from a coaching perspective, right? Where you're going to coach their mind about their thoughts on their experience and, you know, really look at their T's and get in there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about listening and getting feedback from a customer service perspective. So something my coach Stacy Bateman says often is, while it's true that you can't control your client's thoughts about your program, one thing you can do is give them so many incredible circumstances that it's really hard for them to have negative thoughts about any of them at all, right? And so you really have to do the work of separating the customer service side and the coaching work that you're doing. Because you can hand someone a piece of moldy bread for lunch, and if they have complaints, you can just say, well, it's your thoughts, right? And from a coaching perspective, that might actually be a powerful lesson. But from a customer service perspective, that doesn't serve your business. So, you know, one of the biggest reasons why I think the 16 Keys offer has grown so fast is because the way I deliver the program does a lot of the selling for me. When you have people out in the world who are genuinely so grateful to you for the work that you do and who are actively encouraging others from a place of love to join your program or to work with you, that sells your offer for you, right? And especially if you do organic delivery or organic marketing, don't forget that delivery is an important part of growing sales in your business. You can have the best marketing in the world, but if your clients aren't getting results and they're not enthralled with their experience working with you, it slows down and stunts your growth in business. And honestly, it makes it makes you not want to sell. It makes you less excited to sell if you have a bunch of disgruntled clients who aren't getting results and who are struggling and not enjoying themselves in your business. You don't want to grow your business bigger because you don't want more of those people in your business, right? So working on your delivery is a key portion of working on your sales. And as a business owner, you have to look at what control you do have over the circumstances their mind is going to come in contact with in your program. And you either want to prepare them adequately to be able to think about that circumstance in a way that serves them, or to upgrade that circumstance in such a way that it would be close to impossible for them to have negative thoughts about it, right? So remember what we were talking about with the moldy bread, right? So how that would look is either coaching them ahead of time around the moldy bread. (laughs) I love this example. And the purpose of there being moldy bread in the container and how it's like a spiritual growth lesson and you've intentionally chosen it for these reasons and how they can think about this moldy bread in a way and why shifting their mindset about that moldy bread is going to serve them and their growth and help them get the results they want faster, right? It's to enroll them in the purpose of the lesson of the moldy bread circumstance so that they can actually go all in on it and get as much as possible from it. Or what you can do is instead of giving them moldy bread, you can take them to lunch at the Ritz-Carlton. 
And they can get five-star service and have fresh artisanal bread with organic whipped honey butter that's gluten-free served to them in a beautiful tea garden, right? That also solves the problem of the thoughts that they might encounter with the moldy bread is just to not give them moldy bread, right? Either way works. But the point here is that you have to step out of coach mode while you're doing this work and separate your client's control of their thoughts which is what you're going to coach them on in the program, right? And you have to step into entrepreneurial customer satisfaction mindset and look at the control you have over the circumstances that they're having thoughts about in the program in the first place. And the reason why I'm so gung-ho about this is because when you start actively looking at your business and cultivating it this way, you begin to feel so much more empowered in your business because you're taking more responsibility for the circumstances your clients are encountering in your program. It literally gives you more control uh, and more power over your client experience and the results that they get in their program. And <clears throat> I want to remind you that taking responsibility for the circumstances doesn't mean you know going through and evaluating and then changing the whatever circumstances there are anytime someone struggles or complains. It also means educating them more clearly ahead of time how to use the program or letting them know what to expect during the process, letting them know what might be hard or what thoughts might come up, and then giving them the coaching that they need ahead of time so that they know how to direct their brain when they encounter a certain circumstance or a certain thought that they might have in your program, okay? That works too. Whichever one you choose, whether it's to add more pre-coaching in ahead of time or to change the circumstance, just love your reasons and have it be for your clients, right? The easiest way to, to sell anything is to genuinely believe that it's in the best interest of your clients. And if you want to feel really easeful in your selling and feel like you have a lot of integrity in your selling, it's to make all the decisions in your business from a place of figuring out what best serves your clients and always moving in that direction. Because if you're sold on why it's great for your clients, it's so easy to sell your clients on why it's great for them too. So I wanted to offer that. But I'm underlining all of this because as an entrepreneur and a business owner, you have to take responsibility for the experience people have in your program on some level. Otherwise, you end up feeling powerless and like you have no control whether people are getting results or if they enjoy working with you, all of it, right? And it's a fine line because so many of us are told that our clients are responsible for their thoughts and our clients are responsible for... Um, you know, the way that they show up in the program and the experience that they create for themselves in the program. And all of that is true. And you also have a lot of control and a lot of agency there. And so acknowledging that teaching your clients how to be responsible for their experience is going to be very powerful. And there's agency that you have in this arena too that's beyond just the scope of coaching that actually expands into entrepreneurship client satisfaction, retention rates, all those things, okay? So what I want to do is I have some suggestions that I'm just wanting to share with you. 
as I've been evaluating the success of the 16 keys, being a group program, right? I wanted to go through my evaluation and just share with you sort of three keys that I'm using as I go to upgrade for this next round that's coming. Um, just my mindset, how I look at things, and just general information that I feel like might be super useful for you as you apply this process to your own brand or your own delivery method and improve the quality and the speed of the results that your clients are getting, right? So it's important. The first thing I want to mention is that it's important not to change too many variables at once. Because if you change everything, it's hard to tell what's working in your process and what isn't. So when I added the group component and the Facebook portal to the 16 keys, which was a major change, I kept virtually everything else in the program the same. So that way I was able to see the results people created in this round and I was able to know it was the group that was responsible for the change in results and not a new process I was taking them through or a new way that I was delivering or you know teaching a certain concept, right? I really wanted to isolate that variable so that I knew for sure, oh, okay, this is going to this is going to be responsible for the shift in results or what I see. And so what this looks like is is in your business, if you have a process, right, that's the first month that because in our businesses we usually have little mini goals we want to get to people at a certain time right at a certain place in your coaching when you're coaching one-on-one you begin to develop your process and you begin to to know the mindset shifts that you need to take to from somebody not having the result to having the result and the little milestones they need to hit along the way and so let's just say you coach for six months probably each month you'll in the back of your mind kind of have a milestone for where you want to get somebody around a certain topic that relates to whatever it is, the project they're working on or the mindset shifts they need, et cetera, et cetera. So when you're going to change things, you want to, one way to do this, right? If you're not overhauling something that changes the entire program, like uh, you know, adding a group component, what you can do is you can look at, okay, month one, this is how I've been teaching it. This is the results I've been getting. What if I teach it this way that's a little different or add in this example or add in these couple of exercises? And then you can begin to evaluate that by itself, right? And you begin to see, okay, that got this person from point A to point B faster. And then if you're wanting to look at something in the second phase of your process, you can do that there. So you don't have to only change one thing. You can tweak lots of little things along the way in your process, but the important thing is to A, have results to compare them to, have evaluated the past process that you were using, and then B, as you go through, to be really clear on isolating each of those milestone points and be really clear on what each of them are so that you're you're separating the results. So you're not changing six things, one each month, and then getting to the end of the container and being like, oh, wow, they got this really different result. I wonder which of those six things that I changed was effective. You're like, no, the thing I did in month one was super effective, but in month two, they really struggled with that. I'm not going to do that again, da, da, da. And you can look at the end as an average, right? 
of an amalgamation of those things, but then you already know because you've been evaluating as you go and you have those many milestones, okay? So I want to offer that, not to change too many things at once, or if you are changing multiple things, really know which milestones they're a part of so that you can adequately evaluate them, right? So the way that this showed up in this round of the 16 keys for me was as I was evaluating this round, I was able to notice what shifts were occurring in my clients being a part of the group, right? And one of the things that I noticed for all of them as they went through the process was that there was just this level of like, I want to call it emotional solidity and groundedness during the experience. Because in the 16 Keys, we do a lot of really deep work, and we're working on the deepest layers of belief. I always say that it can feel like, while you're in the program, it can feel like the tectonic plates of your consciousness are shifting, right? Deep stuff ends up coming up for healing. And sometimes there's like emotional catharsis that occurs or, you know, suppressed rage or sadness, all the things, right? And what I watched happen was because they had a group of people who were going through the same process as them, it normalized it. One of the things I noticed when I was just doing one-on-one with this process was that it could feel a little bit isolating. Like, I was the only person who understood what my client was going through and was able to support them. And, you know, sometimes the people in your life who aren't coaches or who aren't, who don't do coaching, they don't get what you're going through. And what I noticed is that having people in a group, it just took away so much of the fear that people were having and so much of the isolation. And because of that, it allowed them to move through the process in so much more of like a, like a lubricated way, it really lubricated their experience and had them show up in a really grounded way. But on top of that, the biggest thing that I noticed in this round too was it released any shame that they might have been feeling about their process, right? Because it's totally different having one coach who's kind of watching you process things but not going through it themselves. They're just holding beautiful space for you and guiding you through it versus 10 to 15 close girlfriends who aren't just non-judgmental, but they're actively loving on you and supporting on you and actively being vulnerable and sharing what they're going through and allowing you to pour into them. So I saw the level of shame healing that occurred within the group was spectacular. And if you've never listened to, I don't even know if I have it on this podcast anymore. I used to have a podcast named The Shame Bubble. It's so good. I'll somehow make sure you all get it. Um, it really talks about how shame is kind of the root of all of our blocks, right? Um, in relationships, in business, in showing up, when we procrastinate, when we're perfectionists, like... If you want to really simplify life coaching, in my mind, it's like the releasing of shame. And the deeper we do that, the more whole we feel because whatever we're feeling shame about is something we're repressing or suppressing. It's a way that we are um, fracturing ourselves and not gaining power to our holistic strength and power. So for me, that's the biggest thing I watch as people are going through my program is, yes, we're hitting these results. Yes, we're hitting these milestones. Yes, we're signing more clients. Yes, we're having fun in our marketing. But our day-to-day experience of ourselves 
is there less shame? Is there more joy? Is there more acceptance? Is there more openness and freeness, right? So that's really what I look at for me and my clients is their big contextual shift or that deep shift. It's always around shame and underlying little levels of shame. And it's likely for you in whatever you're doing, right? It might be shame that, that is the thing or it might be something else. But also knowing what that big metric that you're kind of watching is will help you as you work on deeper levels with your clients, not just getting results, because I don't want my clients to get results through shaming themselves and perfectionism and beating themselves up and having a miserable time, right? I'm just as interested in the how, as how they're creating as the what, because I believe that how you do something and who you're being about your life determines much more of what you create than just the results that you're able to create, okay? So that's number one, is don't change too many variables at a time and watch and go through for certain milestones and points. The second is to figure out what about it worked, okay? So we can try something in our business and we can see a result but if we don't understand the mechanism by which it's working, we're unable to tinker any further. We're unable to augment that result or maximize that result as we continue to cultivate and change and grow our program, okay? So this is where they, having your clients' evaluations will really help you to pinpoint what it is that is the mechanism of success, okay? So as I was reading through the 16 Keys Evaluations this round and asking asking them and, and just finding out their experience with the group, I discovered that the reason why it was so effective at supporting them, the thing that they all mentioned was the culture of the group was so unique and they specifically tied it to the first exercise that I did with them in the group that caused them to gel immediately. And a lot of them reported like, I felt closer and safer with the people in this mastermind after a week than groups that I've been a part of for years. So knowing how important me now, knowing how important that first moment is as a group in setting the tone for how the group culture is gonna unfold, I'm able to get really clear on the ways in which I can maximize that throughout the program. And now I know part of running a powerful group is creating transformational culture within the group. And so that's what I've been brainstorming and masterminding and creating for this next round is, okay, what rituals, what customs, what norms, what ways of being like me as a leader who's leading the culture and people are looking to in this experience, how do I want all of these things to be embedded into the cultural experience of the 16 keys and what's my role in cultivating that, that is going to allow me to maximize what worked from the last round and take it to the next level, right? So that's a part of the 20% or 25% newness that I'm creating for this next round is, oh, okay, I'm going all in on this culture thing and I'm going to create and get even more deeply into creating transformational culture, not only so that my clients can experience it, but so that they can learn how to hone it, hold it, and offer that to the people that come into their space, both in their one-on-one -on -one space and creating transformational culture in their groups, 
okay? The third is in order to, as you're going through this process, you have to get really depersonalized about the feedback. And usually the way that coaches will try and get depersonalized is by saying, well, it's just their thoughts, right? And yes, it is their thoughts. That's true. That's the circumstance, right? The, the, whatever people are offering you are their thoughts. And it's also your business and your bottom line, right? So it's their thoughts, but it's your business and your bottom line. And the way I think about running a program is there are going to be thoughts that come up that we need to work on to get them their results and that that's why they're with me, right? They have certain thoughts that they're holding on to now that are not serving them and getting the result that they want, and that's why they come to me to work with me. And then there are other thoughts that are not those thoughts that have nothing to do with my process that may come up about random shit in the program. And the more time I'm having to spend coaching them around some random thought that they're having around some random aspect of the program, the less time I'm helping them work on the thoughts that are going to help them get the result that they paid me for. So my goal is to constrain as much as possible the thoughts that I'm working with them on <laughs> to be the ones that are in my process and the ones that are leading them to the results that they're paying me for and not just having to coach them on moldy bread every day. Okay, so I'll give you an example. <clears throat> in this example, it like half applies and half doesn't, but it will make my point and you'll see what I mean when I explain it, okay? So one thing that I did not account for in this past round is how much people's perfectionism would be triggered by the group component. And so in the first weeks, I noticed certain participants were putting a lot of pressure on themselves to respond to every post and to respond to every participant and that their activity in the group was coming from a place of, I don't want to fail. I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want Alexander to think I'm not committed or I don't want to be punished or, or almost like a, I don't, I need to earn my spot here. Okay. And it makes sense that whatever fear of rejection that comes up in running our businesses is totally also going to show up in a Facebook group of new people. And so this is why I say it half applies and half doesn't because this actually does apply to my target niche, right? This thing that came up around the, the thoughts they're having about the circumstance of the group and the people in the group, it actually does apply to the work that I'm doing with my clients and and with my people, it is a part of my process, but it could be just as easily, right? If you're running a group and the group you're running isn't looking at, you know, perfectionism or things like that, it could end up being something that distracts people from being able to focus on the work that they're doing, okay? So um, with that said, right? I still, my, my goal, right, seeing that is I still want them to spend less time agonizing over the group and more time feeling supported and loved by the group. So what I did was I gave some individual coachings in the group and I addressed it in a group call as well. But now what I know going into the next round is that that needs to be an open discussion from the get-go, that those thoughts are going to surface and... 
I need to you know, touch on the way that we release them and release these urges is by releasing the shame underneath them. And here's a framework for doing that and utilizing the group to do that. Because me as the lead of this program, I want them to utilize the group to heal their shame, not as another thing and another place where they're riddled with shame and that their shame drives them into action. And that's another one of the biggest, I think most powerful things about the group container is it's one thing to have a person that you feel safe with. And I think it's totally different, like a radically different ex experience to have a group of people who literally love and accept you, whatever your honest expression is in that moment. It creates a deeper level of healing. And so realizing that I had to depersonalize the feedback because as coaches, right? And this is the opposite of what most people think when they think of depersonalizing feedback. It's like, oh, don't let, you know, people's negative feedback hurt, hurt your mind. But as coaches working with one-on-one, -on -one, it's really easy to get really caught up in our skills and our abilities and our genius and to see the results that our clients are creating and to be like, yeah, I did that and absolutely do that and... This for me was an opportunity for me to separate myself and see like, yes, I created this experience or I set it up, but so much of the healing that the participants experienced wasn't directly in dialogue with me, right? It was in their peer coaching sessions or it was in sharing things with the group or for some, it was just crying in front of a group of people or expressing their anger in front of a group of people. So it was like, usually we'll think we'll have to depersonalize the negative feedback, but this time it was really strong positive feedback about how amazing the other women in the group were and how transformative their coaching was and how being around them was so transformative. And, you know, I think this probably happens to every coach as you grow, but it's just that it becomes, it does become less and less about you and more about what you've created and what you've set the stage for. So the process, the group, the culture, et cetera. And so that's really amazing feedback for me because I don't want my clients to always have to be dependent on me to get results. I want to create something that makes it possible for them to get results even when I'm sleeping, right? And for me, taking myself out of it, I think I like had this ego, this tiny little egoic urge to be like, oh, but I can't control that. Or, oh, like this isn't about me or I need to somehow like, like it would just be so easy for me to get so wrapped up in me being the only thing that delivers results and my ego and me really creating the program from that mind. And when you're able to depersonalize the feedback and just make it completely about creating the best experience for them, whether it's positive feedback or negative feedback, it doesn't matter because your focus is on, on them and their mindset and getting them the result as fast as possible. So, you know, from that perspective, I want them to be able to go into the group and to get results 24 seven. I want them to always have exactly what they need whenever they need it. And as it's interesting because as I'm saying this, I'm realizing this is probably what it's like for parents when their children become like independent. <laughs> but that's what it is, is I've created something that is constantly delivering results for my clients nonstop, even when I'm sleeping.
And so even though I'm very present and very available in the group, having that space to know that it's not just me anymore that's creating the transformation for my clients, but it's the group that I've, that I've created and the way the participants are showing up and the culture that we are all co-creating together and just the commitment that we all come together with and the way that everybody shows up in the group, it's just like such an important reminder to watch your ego as you're evaluating because now I know like, okay, I have a very specific and unique process that I've used from day one and that has evolved, but I've used from day one for how I choose from the applicant pool to create the energetic container. And now I can see how even more important that is for how this group functions as a whole. Because this group is the place where we practice showing up differently. The group is a place where we practice radical honesty. It's where we practice listening to our own consent. It's where we practice being witnessed. It's where we experiment with our hair and our makeup and dressing up and being sexy and using our voice and being powerful and being unafraid to take up space, right? I had a, a client who um, she was like just playing around with her style and wanting to express more of herself. And so she tried on a blazer with this like very sexy lacy bra on underneath it. And she posted a picture to our Facebook group first because for her, it was the place she felt most safe to explore that side of her in relationship with other people, right? It's one thing to sit at home and dress up and look at yourself in the mirror. It's another to hold or express a certain piece of yourself in front of other people. And so for her, that group component and the way that just the culture of the group became that space for her to start exploring that in a safe space. And so the group is an incubator in some senses, right? In that it builds the confidence that allows us to take whatever pieces of ourselves we're working on releasing shame from or reclaiming or owning into the world. And it allows us to practice showing who we really are in a safe space right? And so things like perfectionism and procrastinating or playing small, hiding in our business, being afraid of attention, specifically male attention, or not owning our boundaries with clients or feeling imposter syndrome when we have success or feeling huge whiplash after we have a huge success in our business. All of those things begin to fall away and fade away as you create a space where it's safe to practice owning your power and as your nervous system begins to reset itself to being safe as a default, okay? So just reiterating that it's really important to be depersonalized about the feedback and to just look at what's working and what's not working and to take yourself out of it. Now, the last thing that I haven't mentioned, I guess this is like bonus number four, is not only to obviously evaluate, that's like the core of everything that I'm teaching on this podcast today is you have to be evaluating and knowing, right? What's working, what's not working, why is it working, why is it not working, but also to course correct. So if you notice something in your program while you're delivering it, experiment with possible solutions right then and there. Don't wait until the next group to try and solve it. See if you can solve it now and figure out 
the most effective method to solve it so that when you go to deliver next time, you already know what the solution is and you can focus on something else, right? So to bring it back to the perfectionism showing up in the group for so many of the clients, I approached it a couple different ways in the group until I found the coaching that really unlocked it for people. But I didn't wait until the next round to do it. I solved that problem on the spot so that now I know exactly what I'm going to do this round and so that my clients have so much more support around that and are able to have an improved experience of being in my program now as well as in the next program. Okay. I think that's it. I know I gave you all a lot today. I could talk about this all day. I was in customer service for a long time before I was in coaching. And so it's my passion to bring some of that into the fold as we talk about building our businesses because I feel like sometimes there's such an emphasis on thought work that sometimes we don't get to approach creating our containers from as much of an entrepreneurial perspective or a customer satisfaction perspective. But I think it is really important to look at delivery and what we do have control over in the delivery of our businesses and our offers as well as just to give you all like a behind the scenes look at my process for upgrading my container and what the work to get your clients better, faster results actually looks like on a tangible level. So I hope all of you have a beautiful week. And for those of you who are listening, who are joining me in the May round of the 16 Keys Mastered Mind, since this is the last podcast I'm going to do before applications open on Monday, I wanted to give you a little tip about the application. So last round, there was a situation. <laughs> and the situation was that as applications were coming to a close, I had someone fill the last spot. And... So what I did was I went on social media and I announced that submissions were closed because all the spots were filled. And I had two people who reached out to me with similar stories. Now, much of you already know, but the application process for the 16 keys is kind of like its own little weird transformational portal in and of itself. People have very intense experiences uh, going through the application process. And I have many clients who've said that it was their biggest breakthrough in the container and that they left the application or they finished the application with sparkling clarity around who they are in the coaching industry or clients who filled out the application and signed four clients the next week, right? Like everything I do in this program is intelligently designed to be for you and to facilitate you in creating the results you want in your life. And I encourage you to always think about every piece of your offer and the client experience in the same way. So anyways, to get back to the story, I closed the applications. I had two people who reached out, and they told me that they had been working on their application for days. One said she'd been working on her application for four days, and the other said she'd been working on it for two. Now, on average, it does not take that long. At least I don't think so. But also, I've never filled it out. It's thorough, right? The application is thorough because I'm taking you through a process. But the point is, anyways that they were both like devastated and they were really upset and they were really looking forward to joining me this round and they had planned their whole coaching calendars around it and so they just felt like devastated and they were super heartbroken and I felt bad and I felt guilty as well. Mostly that I didn't educate people 
that it's possible that some things may come up during the application process and you may want to give yourself time to process them, right? So what I don't want is for people to rush through the application just to get through it because they're afraid that the launch is going to fill before I get their application in. And what I also don't want is for anyone who really wants to do this work with me and to be a part of this experience to miss out simply because they were banking on there being plenty of time, okay? So my recommendation, I've been thinking about this, my recommendation for you so that you get the most out of the application process is to set yourself up and give yourself time. So when the applications go out Monday, schedule some time to work through the questions. That way, if something comes up while you're in the application process that you need to work through, that you need a minute or you need to sleep on it, or you just need to be with it and process it deeply, you have that time available to you and you're not rushing through the answers just because I've posted, hey, there's only one spot left, okay? So, and I offer that to you because I feel like that short changes you in the long run and your experience. So really create time and remember that the process will impact you as deeply as you're willing to go with it. And so I wanna be here to encourage you and support you in creating the most positive experience possible on your journey, the most powerful, transformational, incredible experience so that you get to share in that and enjoy that because that's one of the most fun pieces of the process is these first steps. Okay, well, that is it. I'm looking forward to seeing so many of your applications in my inbox next week. And I can't wait until we're all live on a call together in just a matter of weeks. <laughs> oh man, I'm giddy. So I hope you had the most beautiful day and I look forward to talking to all of you super soon. Have a beautiful rest of your day and I will talk to you on the next one.